1 Corinthians chapter 1. Question. You heard the word sanctification. You probably heard sanctification as set apart. Do you think that sanctification is just a one, one-sided work of God? Or has it got multiple facets to it? I don't, I don't expect you to answer that, but a lot of times we think of sanctification as, uh, it is a, it's not a large, large word, but it's a big Bible word. And what it means is to make holy. That is, uh, ceremonially wise, to purify or consecrate. Now, consecrate, we understand, is that part that means set apart. And uh, to hallow, to make holy or to be holy, sanctify. And again, we hear that word set apart. And that plays a part in the definition. But in our, in our text tonight, I'm going to read one verse. Then we'll back up and read some other verses and read back through that verse to give a little bit of context. And if you can, please stand. We're going to read, like I say, verse 30. Then we're going to back up and read a few more verses with this, but I want to focus, and I know it's got the word sanctification, but let's let's focus on kind of what that's saying. It says, verse 30, <clears throat> but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness, sanctification and redemption. Now back up. To verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty, the base things of the world and, and things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to proclaim your word, Lord, I pray that you just help me to preach this message with the right conviction, with the right spirit. I pray that those that are listening, Lord, would heed to your word and, Lord, look for ways to apply it in their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pretty simple way of looking this at this to me and... You know, I, we're doing this defense of the Baptist or biblical faith. And sanctification is part of it. And I'll go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. Sanctification has more than one work what we would think of. We think of God setting us apart, and that's part of it. And the first thing we're going to see, we're going to see uh, Paul, whose his name is is Saul to start with, but we're going to see him get saved. So sanctification of Paul first was him getting saved. 
That's the first step. But there's more to it than that. It, it's, and, and, and again, in Paul's conversion, if you read the whole story in chapter 9, and we'll look a little bit at it, it, it tells us what his calling is, but he doesn't get to his calling for a few years. So God already had a purpose for him. And the way it's written, I'm not for sure that Ananias, uh, Ananias told him what God had told him. So he either knew or didn't know. I'm not for sure. But he knew it later on. And, and again, we'll point that out later on. So if you'll turn <coughs> over to Acts chapter 9. So we're going to look at Paul, his sanctification or being sanctified in salvation. And just briefly look at that. Now we've looked at the security of the believer last week. We've looked at different aspects. All this has a part to play together. As we have seen with Abraham and others, the first step is to believe, and it's no different for Paul here. It says in verse 1, And Saul, which was Paul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if any... If he found any of this way, and that's what they call Christians, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. So simple. Paul, and we know in chapter uh, 7 that he was holding the clothes of Stephen when he was stoned. So we know that there's probably... No doubt that he's heard the gospel. And there's probably conviction that is in his heart that has not been revealed because he goes in front of these people and asks for letters. He wants to continue, but the Holy Spirit's dealing with him. And then that day when the light is revealed to him, what happens? He falls to the earth and he heard a voice. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he asked the question, who art thou? That's a good question. We should ask that question. But Paul here, as this light of the world, Jesus Christ has shined upon him. I believe that's the light. He asked who. <coughs> so Paul is obedient to respond to this conviction, maybe not knowing fully exactly what he's looking at or in, encountering, but he shortly knows because Jesus gives him the answer. He said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuted. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. When I got saved at 10, and I'd say it may be true for you, or it should be, you knew who you were trusting in. You knew you were trusting in Jesus Christ. Now again, you may not have been able to quote one verse of the Bible. You may have been able to quote a hundred. But salvation comes the only one way, by faith alone and Christ alone. For salvation alone, that's it. Paul didn't have to get baptized. He does get baptized, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But the first step of sanctification is God saving you and setting you apart from the world, putting you into the family of God. Now Paul, after his conversion, because he says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He accepts it. That's a confession. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And, and you know, you say, well, that doesn't sound like a confession that I'm listening for. Uh, they're all different. 
I do not remember the words that I said when I was 10 years old. I promise you, I have no clue, no recollection, no memory of what words I said. But I remember what my heart wanted. And for with the, with the heart confession, or for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So all that just fits in perfectly with each and every person's true conversion. So, what happens then? Well, we see after that, and we won't get into it just yet, just in a moment. But I want to, and you hold your place there in Acts. We're going to go over to 2 Peter for just a second. Because when we switch gears here and go over to this other part, I think this verse would help us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 10. Peter says something that's very true, and this is why I say this. The people that are watching on Facebook and will listen on Sermon Audio and you that are here, you need to heed this verse. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Make sure that you've been called by God and you've been saved. For if you do these things, you shall never, what's it say? Fall. Now back over in Acts 9, that was my first point. Paul sanctified in salvation. Well, what's the second part? Paul is going to be sanctified in his personal life. Everybody follows, follow, follows this pattern. We have a lot of people that are stuck after step one. Step two hardly ever happens with much success. We, we could point them out in our church. We could point them out in the world. We could point them out in a lot of places. And, and just, just by... I know it seems like I step on feet. But when we're looking at a message like this, do you take notes? Do you take mental note or do you take something? Are you able when you get home to even remember or know what verse we even looked at? The people that are watching on Facebook, uh, I'm looking right straight at the camera. Are you just... Do you have just the message in the background just listening to it so that it looks like you're listening? I say the same thing. Yeah. Are you just here for whatever? Paul is going to be sanctified in his personal life and it's going to take work. It's going to take other believers to help him. It takes Anais here to come to him and help him to get the spiritual, if you will, spark plug in his life because he's left blind. He's He's led, I know it's a supernatural thing, but this is also the beginning of the church. So God is using miraculous or that dunamis, that power to show and reveal himself. Look at <coughs> verse 15. We know the story, and I'm just bringing this out. Uh, but the Lord said to him, go thy way. And he's talking to Anais there. Uh, For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name for the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Remember the verses we read at the start. God chooses the weak things, the, the things that don't seem to be right. And you've heard me say, I, you may remember and when God was dealing with me about my surrender to preach, I read those verses over and over again. 
And that's the only thing that really gave me hope that maybe that God was calling me to preach. Because if there's ever going to be a weak person, I felt like I was that guy. And if I thought I was a base person, something that confounded the wise, I figured I was one of them. And that was my own personal thoughts as I walked through that. Look what it says, verse 17, And Nias went his way and entered into the house. Who does Paul have to have? He has to have Ananias. And he putting his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, here's a guy that had been putting Christians in jail. Uh, he, he stood there holding Simon, or Stephen's clothes while they stoned him to death. And Ananias is, said, Hey, th- this is the guy I want you to go talk to. I've done prison preaching. It's, it's a pretty daunting thing, especially when you walk with the guard and he's got the billy stick and the gun and they're walking down the aisle and they get to that door and they take that big funny looking key and, and they let all them guys in or they're already in there and you walk in and they don't walk in with you. They push the door and you're like, what? Ruh, row. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> and you got guys that ain't got nothing to do, Brother Bill, but to work out, and they're all just standing around there like this. And you just preach the Bible and hope that everything works out. And I knew some of them, because I was in Lincoln County. I knew some of them guys that were in there because from our addiction program and me being a local person. But it's intimidating. Think about Ananias. God had to use him to go to Saul, which would be Paul, Look what it says. <clears throat> he lays hand on him, brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared. And this is just not a random guy, Miss Bernice. This guy had heard from God. Ananias is in touch with the Lord. He heard from him. He said that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest. In other words, you done give him some insight. Had sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he received meat, he was strengthened. That was Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. Again, that, that shows on TV, Undercover Boss comes to my mind. Is Paul playing a part here to get on the inside? That would have been my thought. I don't know. But this is part of his personal life, him being sanctified. He has to have this to happen. He gets baptized. He starts preaching. What about that? Ananias was told by the Lord, said, I'm going to show him how many things he's going to have to suffer. Then that sounds like Miss Norma. Not the good news you want to tell the guy, just, just got saved. Hey, you're going to have to really suffer some bad stuff. Christian life, folks, if you live it, is not a Walt Disney movie. It's not happily ever after. It may be with blessings. But it is not always happily ever after. <clears throat> I've heard preacher after preacher say this. Uh, usually when you step out for God, 
the devil puts a bullseye on your back and he's aiming at you. He's going to shoot at you. So if you're not, I forget what preacher it was. I want to say it's some way like A-T a or A-Z a Tozer, however. I don't remember his first letters. But he said, if you feel like you're rubbing the cat backwards, you know, you pet a cat from head to tail and it's with, but if you feel like you're petting it backwards, that means you're petting it the wrong way. That's the way a lot of Christians are living their life. They feel like they're petting the back cat backwards, but they're actually heading the wrong way. They need to turn around and head towards the Lord. So here's Paul, early in his life, he, he feels like that He's just been saved. He starts preaching, okay? And then look at verse 26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he is saved to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. You think? And believe not that he was a disciple, but here's another man of God, Barnabas. How many of us have took another young Christian or somebody that may be struggling, took our hand and got them into a group or made them feel comfortable around God's people. He took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus and he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem he spake boldly in the name of Jesus, or in the name of Lord Jesus, and disputed with the Grecians, but they went about to slay him, which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and set him forth, sent him forth to Tarsus. And it goes on, I mean, if you read that, they had rest in all the churches. They got Paul, Saul out of the way, and they had rest and run the churches. It even says, I think, that there was growth there too multiplied but they sent him to Tarsus what does that do to Paul kind of takes him off of the starting team and puts him over on the bench does it not now it doesn't say it's wrong but he's going back to Tarsus now if you look at a map we don't have one out here but if you look at a map okay and you have Antioch here at the top and you come down here's the coast in the Mediterranean Sea here and you come down from Antioch down to here and then inland a few miles, you got Jerusalem. Tarsus was way up here and even above Antioch. It was actually in part of, I think, uh, what's called Asia Minor, Turkey. That's where Paul was from. So he gets put on the shelf, if you will, a little bit. And I want to read a few verses. And, and you don't have to go there, but in Philippians chapter 1... I quote this verse quite often. And I'm going backwards between Galatians and Colossians. Philippians is right in the middle of them. Verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. You believe that verse. You believe that God will continue to work I think that as Paul is up there in Tarsus, we don't have any historical record of it. I think God still got him where he needs him. But he still needs somebody. He still needs somebody to move him. And I think that when he makes his move, I mean, he, he's the guy. 
Miss Tammy, that said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, yet I live. Yet not I, but what? I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He, he's the guy that wrote that verse. Now, he's up in Tarsus. He ain't wrote that verse yet. He ain't got there. Why? Because God is sanctifying. He's still setting him apart. And there's got to be, if you will, growth in his life. There has to be something going on in his life. First Corinthians chapter two. This is what happened when Paul went out, and I'm reading this ahead of schedule because we ain't even got to him getting to the mission field yet, or even writing any books. And I, brethren, when I first verse one, first Corinthians two, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. But I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now that sounds like Him preaching at Damascus and probably sounds like Him preaching in Jerusalem. He says in verse 4, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And there's that dunamis word, that Greek word, power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Again, there's that word dunamis again. Miraculous working power. That's the same Paul, guys, that, that we're talking about here. Now, he's up in Tarsus. Let's move over to Acts chapter 11. You've heard me say how impactful it was for me to go to Belize the first time I went, and it was very impactful. We've seen it here with people going for the first time, how impactful it was for them. Paul's getting ready to go on a short-term mission trip. Bet you didn't know that, did you, Norman? He is. He's getting ready to go on one. Look at verse 22, Acts 11. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, now they're talking about Antioch, that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came had seen the grace of God and was glad and exhorted them that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas, get this, to where? Tarsus. Uh, let's see. To seek, for to seek Paul. Here's this man of God again, Brother Lee, being used to reach out to somebody and pull them back in. Now what has to happen? Let's see. And when they had found him, they brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that they, that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So they go for a whole year preaching, teaching. Basically, it says teaching. Kind of the same thing. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one, them named Agabus, and signified in the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, 
Every man according to his ability determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of who? Of Barnabas and of Saul, which would be Paul. He goes down there on this trip to take these goods. Look at verse 24 and 5 of chapter 12. But the word of the Lord grew and multiplied, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Don't think of that as being a bad thing, okay? Them taking John Mark. Think of sanctification this evening. Think of that only. This, this short-term mission trip, if you want to call it that, opened Paul's eyes to ministry. There's always something we can do for the Lord. We can do it anywhere. I... If I wasn't so busy, and I shouldn't even really say this because it's convicting to me, I would go back to the jails and start going once a week again. But I haven't felt the leading of the Holy Spirit to go to any particular one or to even go, but that was a very challenging but yet seemed fulfilling in a sense. Because you, you think, you guys got your Bibles open? These guys are like... They're paying attention. Now one, they're wanting to get a good report from you to them, to the guys up there, okay? And we had a lot of them would make professions of faith. We've seen few of them come to church, but we see the same kind of results around here, right? <laughs> we really do. And you would see them later on, and man, I, boy, I really appreciate you coming. You knew you were being a blessing. Now again, the third thing I want to talk to you tonight about is Paul's sanctification and missionary work. We've already started that, but look down at chapter 13. Now there were in the church at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger and Lucius of Serene, and Manon, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Get this now. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. Paul has finally made it to his calling. Now again, we can debate whether Ananias told him or not. I think he did. But I'm not for sure. But Paul knows now that he's, he's called to take the, the gospel out. You know, we're called the same way. Paul's still a tent maker. Uh, he's still an ex-Pharisee, if you will. He's still got that, that uh, if you will, that, uh, that uh, formalism in his body. But God's going to use all that for his honor and glory. So they're, they're teaching for a whole year. Why do you think they had to teach for a whole year? Now I mentioned earlier, I don't have one with me now, but you, you should have three things when you show up to church. Bible, see if y'all can name the next two. 
What? Offering. Yeah, that's a treasure for you right there. That's a given. Three things. Bible. Paper. Y'all scared to say it, ain't you? I, I can just... See, I see one over and I didn't say that to, to pat her on the back at all. But I'm here to tell you. And I'm talking to the people out there that are just got me on in the background. Until you take this right here serious and start studying it, you ain't going to make it far. There shouldn't be one person that is a seasoned saint in this church that Brother Bill or myself or anybody should say, hey, uh, the teacher's not here this week. Would you fill in and teach our class? Now, that doesn't mean they know the lesson as good as maybe the one that regularly teaches it. That doesn't mean any of that, but they should be able to take the Word of God and at least read it and say, here, I believe this is what it's saying, or hey, go buy something and do it. But we got very few people here in this church that will readily go, I'll do it. Just for one week. I think that's an indictment against us. And the, and the people, again, that are watching on Facebook, I'm glad you're watching. I really am. And I'm talking to you tonight as well. But if you're just half-heartedly doing this Scripture, the Bible, you're going to half-heartedly serve God. And it's just the truth. And I went to church. When I started getting right with the Lord, I took pencil and piece of paper, and I told you I got notes at home. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what I was writing down, but I was writing stuff down. I told Brother Larry Butt one time, I said, I got a message here when you're preaching revival. I got the text up here. I read the text and I looked at the notes and I'm like, I don't know whether that goes with that or not. But I was studying. I was, I was wanting to just get as much as I could. But we come to church and we don't get as much as we could get out of this thing. Now, Miss Norma's a nurse, right? Now, if she was an example for all Christians in her nursing. And when she said, hey, I want to be a nurse, and she goes to nursing school and she just goes, oh, well, let's see if I pass the test. I probably won't study it. It's not that hard. If I get a D, it's okay. If I misread the blood pressure, it doesn't matter that much. If, if, you know, if I don't catch this little thing, it won't matter that much. Now, see, you think I'm being funny. I'm not. And, and I, I wish I could do this and get away with this, but I can't. I wish I could just formulate just a simple test, a biblical test on simple terms, pass it out on Sunday morning and people turn it in. I think I would be shocked with the people that wouldn't even answer. And I'm talking to y'all too. <laughs> say, Man, Brother Ricky coming off hard tonight. I just, like I said, I just, I just, I don't understand it. If we believe that Jesus Christ is real, heaven is real, and hell is real, and the lake of fire is real, this right here has got to at least be real too. But yet we, we couldn't find our way out of a wet paper sack in some of our biblical conversations. You ask a question, and everybody goes, "What's it mean to get saved?" Give your heart to the Lord. That's a good generic answer, but there's more to it than that. You know? And again, that, 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 that steps on people's toes. 
And you know, Brother Jerry told us one time, he said, if you ain't doing something for the Lord, why ain't you? Simple question. I better move on. There's not even a big crowd here, and I sense a little bit of pushback, okay? Maybe it's coming from the TV or the Facebook. I don't know. But let's talk about this thing. Paul goes on and does a great work, and I'm not going to read that part for a second time, but he goes in chapter 13, goes on there in verse, let's just read this part, and then I'll, I'll get to my last point, and then we'll be done. 46. And then Paul and Barnabas were bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. Talk about the Jews. But seeing ye have put it from you and judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life. In other words, there are people getting saved, but here's the deal. Paul made it to his calling. But it just didn't just all of a sudden just start with the Gentiles. He had to have that time in Tarsus. He had to have that time in Jerusalem. He had to have that time in Antioch. He had to have Ananias. He had to have Barnabas in two different occasions. He had to have Barnabas Barnabas here with him to get there. Now I want to just talk about the personal work of salvation in our life. And luckily I've already talked about part of it. I've talked about the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says what? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. There used to be a, a dear saint at Mount Hebron, uh, Daddy Brogel, Isaiah Brogel by name. Uh, he could quote more Bible scriptures, Miss Bernice, than any preacher ever come. He had one arm. His arm got cut off in a hay baler. But man, that guy knew his Bible. Now his, his explanation of it may uh been lacking because he didn't get up and Get, you know, it helps to get up and preach every now and then because when you get up there, you figure out what you either can explain or can or what you do or you don't really know fully enough to be able to get it out there. Y'all put up with me when I first surrendered to preach and I come here and I appreciate that because I feel like I've learned at least something because I'm learning more and more every day that my sermon preparation depends more on my prayer than it does my preparation. And I, and I even thought that to start with, but I'm even finding that out even more today, Brother Beetle. If I don't get with God, I can't say what God wants me to say. But there's a few things. I got five written down here, okay? Uh, first, you got to know you're saved. That was the first verse we read. Sanctification. You must know that you're saved. Second thing, the Word of God. The Word of God must be First and foremost in your growth. You gotta read it. Psalm 1 2 says, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he what? Not read it every day, but meditate on it day and night. Day and night. Day and night. And, and those like in those of you I love you out there on Facebook, if you're not meditating on the Word of God, you're not getting the most out of it. It would be like having barbecue sauce and sitting it on the table and have ribs over here, but never taking the sauce and pouring it on the barbecue or the ribs. It just you leaving it out. 
We need to save her over it. And again, to use the analogy of Norma, if she doesn't go and practice the medicine teaching that they taught her in, in medical school, she's going to lose it. My son is a paramedic. Okay? He's got the credentials. He's went to school, become a paramedic, but he hasn't driven on a buggy in Lexington, which is an ambulance, for a few years now, three or four years. And he told me the other day, he said, my skills have dropped. He said, I used to be able to get in that ambulance, and if I had to put a start an IV, he said, I could do it while the road was doing this. He said, the other day I got in there, and they said, you start the IV. And he said, boys, y'all do this every day. <laughs> he said, I tried. He said, but I'll let y'all do it. Now, this is a guy that's very confident of himself, Norman. <laughs> my son's very confident in his skills. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. So there's that thing. Third thing, there must be a dedication. Romans chapter 12, you know the verse. If you don't go there, you can, but you've heard this verse over and over and over again. Probably should be preached on about every two or three months. Chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye what? Present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Jesus says, even as I was sent into the world, I send you. That's John chapter 17, verses 17 and 18. You read it for yourself. Jesus also said, if the world hate me, it will also hate you. But we still go. We still go. Next thing is, and we, this was a couple of weeks ago, Sunday school class. There must be an accepted or an acceptance of God's discipline in our life. That's in... Hebrews chapter 12 where it says that he what? Go over there just a second. I'm just about done. I think without singing, I feel like we're running over, but I'll just read a couple of verses here. Have ye, verse 5, have ye forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children? My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked. Look at verse 11. I think it's verse 11. Yep. No, now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth, what? The peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. In other words, when God reveals to us a wrong, He is attempting to chasten us by showing us our wrongness, and then He, he wants us to respond to that. If not, he'll bring about further consequences, further discipline, further things. And then, Romans chapter 6, last point. Not the last scriptures. <laughs> I got one other scripture here. I'm not laughing because of that, but I, I, I know when I said last point, y'all were thinking, oh, he's about done. I, I promise you, I'm going to read them and let them rest, okay? Verse number 18, chapter 6 of Romans. It says, being 
then made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the affirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity and to iniquity, even so now yield your, your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. Remember when Paul said, I keep my body under subjection? There's a self-discipline that we got to do for ourselves. If you're not in the Word of God, don't wait for the Holy Spirit to float the Bible down in front of you and smack it into your head. It ain't going to happen that way. It just ain't. Verse 19. Well, I done read that verse. Go, go with me now to uh, 2 Timothy. And that's where I'll finish. 2 Timothy 4. So are there rewards for us going through these growth things? Or is there rewards for us serving God? Yes, there is. Paul, here in his swan song verse or chapter here in 2 Timothy, he's about to be beheaded in Rome. He says in verse 5. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. In other words, do what you're supposed to do, God's will. Then he says, for I am ready, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith, henceforth, here's our reward, is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Now there are totally total of five crowns which are mentioned in the New Testament that God rewards his saints. But there are rewards. And probably if we're the Christ-like Christian we're supposed to be, we will take those crowns and give them right back to Jesus Christ and offer them right back to Him. Brother Bill said we bring an offering. Maybe that's what we bring, our rewards, and we give them right back to Jesus Christ. Tonight, just want to remind you, sanctification is not just being set apart by God. It's something that we have to take part in ourselves, our growth, us, yielding to whatever God's will is, the direction for our life. Let's stand and we'll pray. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I thank you for uh, how you spoke to me in this. Lord, I'm no different than anyone else. Lord, to whom much is given, much is required. I know that. Lord, I, I desire to do more, not because I would be rewarded, but because think that's what you ask of us you ask us to draw closer to you and if we love someone we'll do more for them i believe the more we love you the more we'll be willing to do anything and everything you ask so lord this word sanctification lord i pray that we understand it more and maybe take some time ourselves to look at the different scriptures and the different applications we can make to our lives in jesus name we pray Amen. I think we'll skip the song. Brother Paul, you got a battery back there? Okay.
I mentioned it to Cole. It was real stanky. I was almost. Wait a minute. 